Welcome to the Revo Podcast. Revo Church is one church in two locations with a vision to spark a revolution of life change through Jesus. We hope to accomplish this through our core values of love big, serve hard, live bold, grow deep, and move forward. For more information about our service times and locations, please visit our website at discoverrevo.com. So I was sitting uh, down yesterday uh, catching the pregame show on College Game Day. Any college football fans here? Okay, rest of you are lost in sin, uh, so we'll pray about that later. Uh, so really excited about that. And, and one of the things that I like is that they give you a little preview of all the big games, and the fans are in the background, and they're, they're giving analyzation of who's the best and who's going to win. They make their predictions at the end, the big headgear. I'm thinking about incorporating that into my messages each week, just still trying to figure it out. But one of my favorite parts of this college game day experience is uh, when they tell stories of athletes. Right? So when they, when they share what certain guys on the teams have been through, uh, what, what, what adversity have they overcome? You ever notice like, athletes are, are known for facing and overcoming adversity, right? I love those stories when, when, a, when a, 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 a guy or a girl, that when they were small, they had some maybe a physical ailment that they had to overcome, or maybe they grew up in a really bad home, or s- something really difficult happened, or a relative died that, that mattered to them. Maybe they were in and out of jail, in and off of drugs growing up, and a, a coach put their arm around them, or a, a team embraced them, and now they're the star player. I, a couple of weeks ago, they had a, a guy from uh, USC, Southern Cal um, that, that was blind and he lost his sight. He grew up a Trojans fan his, his whole life and he lost his sight, right? And, and always had a dream of playing football. Well, here at like 19 or 20 years old, the guy is on the team. He's completely blind, but he's on the team and he's a long snapper, right? So I guess like he doesn't need to see to be able to snap the ball and to hear the count when the quarterback hikes it or the punter hikes in the ball. And so he's on the team and the coach even said there'll be a point this season where he goes into the game. Talking about overcoming adversity. That is crazy. We got a a guy that can't even see that is playing on a high caliber uh, division one football team at at Southern Cal. I love those. I love those stories. I love to be able to, to hear what people have had to overcome and the adversity that they've had to deal with in their life, whether it was personal or academic or emotional, even sometimes spiritually. But here's what I know. If you're going to be a great man or woman of the faith, you and I are going to have to learn how to overcome certain things in our lives. You and I will be faced with adversity. You and I will be faced with difficulties. You and I will be faced with roadblocks and barriers in our life. And that is when our faith will step up and help us to be overcomers of those things. If you're going to be a a person of great faith, if you're going to live a life of faith, you're going to have to learn how to be an overcomer. And scripture helps us to see that faith is one of those things that helps us to be an overcomer. You can overcome a lot of things in your life through faith in the right things and in the right person. Abraham was a man of great faith. We're going to talk about Abraham this morning. He's next in the line of of this Hebrews chapter 11 passage where we just, this is the hall of fame of people, men and women of great faith. And so we're here on Abraham's story, and he's a man of great faith, no doubt, but he had to learn how to overcome adversity. He had a crazy life story. 
There were so many things that popped up in his life that, that would have proven for most people, you're not going to keep going. You're not going to make it. You're never going to do anything in this life. And Abraham had to learn how to tackle that and had to overcome that ad- adversity. So many roadblocks, so many problems, so many difficulties, so many things that Abraham himself had to actually get over in order for him to live this life of great faith. So there were three things that Abraham had to overcome. Three things that he had to confront. Three things that, for if I'm honest, for many people, they become deal breakers in your journey with Jesus. Maybe, maybe some of you are facing it right now, but I'm confident of this. If you want to be a man or a woman of faith, you too, just like Abraham, will have to confront these three things that he confronted in his life in ministry as well. So I'm going to read passages. We're going to jump between Genesis 12 and then Hebrews 11. So I want to give you a little, a little uh, taste of the first thing that Abraham had to overcome in Genesis chapter 12. We're going to start in verse 1. You can look up on the screen or open up your app. This is the story of a great man of faith named Abraham. In, in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, it says this, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all of the families of the earth shall be blessed. God put an incredible calling of faith on Abraham's life, and the first thing that he had to overcome was his past. If you and I are going to live lives of faith as men and women of great faith, we have to overcome our past. Very first thing God told Abram was this, leave your country, leave your family, and leave everything you have to pursue what I've called you to do. All of your comforts, all of your securities, everything you've ever known, Abraham, your past that you find so much in, I'm going to need for you to turn your back on that and walk forward. Another thing that we learn about Abraham is this. He was living in a city called Ur. U-R was the name of this city. This was a pagan city. They didn't love God. They weren't worshiping God. And God knew that if Abraham's family was ever going to make it, if Abraham was ever going to make a difference, if Abraham was ever going to make an impact, he had to remove himself from this setting. I mean, Ur was like, think Sin City. Think Bourbon Street on New Orleans. Think Las Vegas. Like, Just think a city that is known for sin. And Abraham was called. Hey, God said, hey, you need to take your family. If you're going to be a nation that worships me, if you're going to be a great people like I want to do in your life, you're going to have to turn away from that sinful past and go somewhere different. So your past here may be some some difficult circles that you're rolling in. It may be some things that you're facing right now. Maybe you've got a dark past that the first thing you're going to have to do is turn your back and walk away from the past to accomplish what God wants to do in your future. But maybe also there's a positive part of your past. Maybe God's calling you to leave the things that you're placing your comfort and your security in right now. Just like he looked at Abram and said, leave your country, leave your family, and leave all of your possessions. Because God knew this about Abram. He said, Abram, where you're at right now, your faith is in all of those things and not me. 
So if you want to be a great man or a woman of faith like I want you to do, like I want you to be, God says, Abram, you need to leave everything that you have your faith in now so that you'll get to a place where the only thing you can have your faith in is me. Leaving your past, turning your back on the things of the past. Another cool thing that Abraham did, actually twice in this chapter, uh, Abraham was an altar builder, okay? So this is what an altar was in the Old Testament. An altar was a, a, a big table that was made out of rocks. These people, these followers of God would make these big tables out of rock. And on those rocks, they would sacrifice animals. They would make a, a sacrifice, an offering to God. But here's what would happen. Anytime God spoke to Abraham, he built an altar. Anytime God showed Abraham something, he would build an altar. Anytime God provided for Abraham, he would build an altar. But this is what would happen. Abraham would build this rock altar on the side of the road, but when he was done with it and they were moving on, the, the, the table would just stay there. They would leave the pile of rocks in the form of an altar right there on the side of the road and they would continue to move. And here's what it was. It was a reminder. An altar was a great reminder to everyone that passed by. Every time Abram would have seen that altar on the side of the road, it would have been a reminder. Hey, remember that time that God provided Remember, it was, it, we built that altar that was right there, and another three, four, five miles down the road, they would come across another altar, and Abraham would be like, hey, remember that time that, that God spoke to us? Remember that time that God did that? Remember that time that God provided, and he would walk down the road a little bit more, a little bit further, and there would be another altar of rock. Hey, remember that time? You know, it was like 10 or 20, 15, whatever years ago that, that God really provided and that, that God helped us out and that, that, that God opened the door for us, that God spoke to us. Remember, remember that Abraham was known for building altars, and an altar is a great reminder of what God has done, but an altar can also be like a, an, an, an energizer for your faith now. Maybe, maybe the very thing that you need to do right now to have the faith that, to do what's next and what God's called you to do is just take a step back and look back at what he's already done. Like, like maybe that's the faith that you're praying for. I think so many people will pray to God for faith. They'll say, God, show me something. God, do something. God, give me a sign. God, make, like, sh open a door. Give me a person. Like, give me a word. And, and, and I think if we're real honest, God's probably saying, hey, man, look around you. You want to see how faithful I am? Look, look at your life. T turn around and look what I've done. Look at everything you have. You want more? Look at what I've already done. You want a new sign? Look at all the other signs that I've already done. You want me to prove my faithfulness again? All you need to do is turn around and look at all those altars. All you need to do is take a time out and stop and think about how good has, God has already been to you. Maybe the thing that you need, maybe, the, maybe the, 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 the faith enhancer that you need this morning is not something that God hasn't already done. It's just taking a moment to pause and look at your past and consider what he's already done for you. Maybe the thing that you need to, to help you to take the next step is to stop and turn around and look at the last step that God completed in your life. Maybe that's the faith factor. Maybe that's the thing that you need to overcome. Uh, let me give you an example like this. I, I take my, my girls, I got two daughters, I take them out to eat uh, whenever I can. Like we go to Krispy Kreme on Saturday morning and we'll go to Chick-fil-A and play on the playground and we'll go into Walmart and we'll just eat candy and chips and we'll buy toys and it's just fun. Like I just love doing that with my daughters. It's just, a, just something that we enjoy uh, doing together. Take them by the gas station and get them like a big 48 ounce drink of whatever they want to and just, it's just awesome. Elizabeth is especially appreciative of those times. 
But here's something that I've noticed. Not a single time have we gotten up to the cash register and my daughters looked at me and said, how are we going to pay for this? Not a single time have they asked, do we have any money for this? They'd never asked, do I need to pay for it? Not one single time have they ever reached into their play pocketbooks and pulled any money out. You want to know why? Because I've always paid for it. Elizabeth has always paid for it. Like, there's never been a time where they didn't get something, like when they got to the cashier, that they were wondering, where is it going to come from? Not, not a single time that I'll look at them and say, do you have money? Like, I don't, how are you going to do this? Did you already open up those chips? How are you going to pay for those? What are you, what are you going to do? Why, why did you do that? Nah, because dad and mom have provided every time. Now, sometimes that works to my disadvantage because things get thrown into the buggy in the store. They're like, eh, dad will pay for it. Let's just put it in there. Isn't, isn't that how God is, though? Like, do we ever get to a point in our life where we have to look around and say, who's going to provide? How am I going to make it? What, how is this going to play out? What happens if this, hasn't he always provided? Isn't he the good father? Uh, isn't he trustworthy? Hasn't he always made it work? Has there ever been a time where you've had to go without something that he's promised? Man, just look around you. Look around and see how good God is. Take a moment and look back on your past at all the times that he's provided. That may be the very thing that you need this morning to take the next step. Abraham was an altar builder. I've got a rock on my desk. I've shared this with you guys before. I gave all of our staff this, this big rock to put on their desk. I put it on your desk or put it in your car, on your dashboard, or take it at home. And, and I shared this kind of thought of what the altar is. It's a time to remember. And I've got uh, this rock on my desk next to my window because I find that sometimes when I'm contemplative, sometimes when I've got something on my mind or something weighing heavy on my heart, I tend to go off and gaze off into the window like there's going to be an answer in the woods behind my house somewhere or something. And so I put that rock beside my window because every time I'm struggling, every time I've got uncertainty, every time something is on my mind, I wanted that rock to be in a place that would be a reminder. Oh, hey, remember, hasn't God always been good? Hasn't God always provided? How many times have I stared out this window not knowing what the answer was? How many times have I had to deal with this and that, that rock was just a symbol of his faithfulness? Abraham built altars. He had to deal with his past, both the good, the bad, and the ugly, in order to be a great man of faith. So this morning, turn around. Isn't he good? Isn't he faithful? Hasn't he done it all? Hasn't he given you so much? That was a story of Abram's life. The second thing that Abraham had to deal with was his present. Uh, no surprise here. You've got to deal with your past first, but also your present. Let's keep reading in the story in Hebrews 11. We get some insight into, into this man. He says uh, in verse 8, By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he would receive as an inheritance, this promised land. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that had foundations, whose designer and builder was God. 
Once Abram got over his past and began to move towards this land, this promised land that God had called him to, we see a very interesting point in verse 9. In the middle of his journey, Abraham left his father's house. He left the palace. He left the temple. He left all of his possessions, everything that he had. He left that in a step of faith to God. And Scripture says all of a sudden, Abram, Abraham finds himself in the middle of the night in a foreign land sleeping in a tent. How bad would that be? I may lose some man points for this, but uh, I hate camping. Okay. Now, there's a lot of different definitions of camping. Um, some people take an RV out, and they call that camping. I can get down with that. Uh, that's good camping there. Elizabeth and I have been camping before one time, and we went to a campground uh, where you're like assigned a certain spot, and you pull up, and there's a picnic table on the spot, and there's a, 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 like a water spigot right there where you get fresh running water. And then out of the ground, I don't know how they do it, there's like two sockets. You got electricity at this camping. So here we are, roughing it. I pulled the picnic table over to the, to the socket. I plugged my skillet in, and we're cooking our food on the skillet. Campfire? I don't think so. We're cooking our food on the skillet. Right across the road from our campsite, there was bathrooms. They weren't the best bathrooms, but there were bathrooms. I can, like, that's okay. But some people are real serious about camping. Like, some people will go days, they'll bring all their own food, like, they'll bring their tent and their sleeping bag, and, like, like, it's just, they'll just go for days. That sounds like purgatory to me, just to go for days. Like, and they come back, and they stink, and they haven't had a shower in forever, and they've been eating freeze-dried food and stuff that comes out of a can, because there's no hot water, there's no refrigeration, there's no mattress out there, there's lots of bathrooms, they're called trees, like, just find whichever one you like the best. Like, that's terrible. But you know what's interesting, though? Even for campers, even for the people that are die-hard campers, this is what I hear. When they get back, they'll tell you, hey, I loved it, but it was nice to be able to sleep in my bed. <laughs> like, it was nice to be able to come home and have a hot shower. right? I, I was in Lynchburg speaking at an event this week, and it was a nice hotel, great accommodations. But when I got home, I told Elizabeth, I was like, man, it feels good to sleep in my bed. It feels good to take a shower in my shower. It feels good to sit in my chair and watch my TV. Like It, it just feels good for that. I, I don't want to be on the road. Can you imagine what would have been going through Abraham's mind? Wait a minute, God. You called me to take a step out on faith, to leave my bed, to leave the hot shower, to leave my possessions, to leave my family, and I'm in the middle of the woods sleeping on the ground with a rock as a pillow looking at the stars because I'm in a tent? I took a step out on faith and you put me in a tent? Like, just, I don't even know where we're going. Don't know when we're going to get there. I had not had a shower in a long time. These beanie weenies are getting old out of the can. I'm in a tent. I took a step out on faith for you, God. And here I find myself in a tent. You ever been there before? You ever made a decision to follow God, to take a step out on faith, to surrender your life, to surrender your relationships and your finances and realize that God has called you to live a great life of faith and all of a sudden you look up and say, hey God, it doesn't look like anything's getting better. My finances are still low. My relationships are still struggling. I still hate my job. I still have problems, God. 
I take a step out of faith for you, and here I am in the middle of my life in the present day, and I'm sleeping on the ground with my head on a rock looking at the stars because I'm in a tent. All because you called me out on faith and I said yes. Doesn't seem right, God. Doesn't seem right. But here's what Scripture tells us about Abraham. Abraham had his eyes set on something greater. Abraham said one day, I know in verse 10, we will have a great city with great foundations. We will have a temple to worship. We will have a hot shower and I will have a nice mattress. We will have all of the things, God, that you have promised us. But here's what I know, God, in a journey of faith, sometimes we have to deal with what we're going through right now in hopes of things that are yet to be seen. Are you going to lose your faith in the middle of the foreign land, sleeping in a tent because God's called you to something more that you just can't see yet? Are you going to turn your back on those things? Are you going to walk away from God? Are you going to lose your faith because you took a step out on faith? You pursued what God called you to do, but if you're real honest, you're looking around in your life right now and you realize, I'm in a tent. This is not what I thought it was going to be. This is not the promise that I thought was going to be laid out. Not only do we have to deal with our past, but if we're real honest, sometimes in this journey on faith, we're not where we want to be yet. And we have to sacrifice our present as well. We have to be willing to say, God, I know that I'm not where I need to be yet, but I'm trusting you for where you're taking me. I'm trusting you for the next step. I'm, I'm willing to give you my present because I believe in a great future. I may be in a tent today, but I know that there's a building that you have prepared. I know that there's something greater. I know that one day we'll be on a foundation. I know that one day we'll have a temple. I know that one day I'll be back in the bed, in the air conditioner, with a hot shower, eating great food, but right now I'm in the tent. Will you lose your faith? Or will you do like Abraham and say, I realize that where I am right now is not my final destination. I realize that this faith journey is a process and I'm willing to stay focused and move forward. I'm willing to keep the faith even though my life feels like I'm in a tent right now in a foreign land. Abraham had to deal with his past. He had to deal with the present and finally he had to deal with the future. Skip a few verses down to verse 17 in, in 12. We, uh, in Hebrews chapter 11, here's what it says, a, a second layer of Abraham's story. It says, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, Through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. I don't know if you're familiar with this story, but God made Abraham a promise. He says, I'm going to make you a nation, right? I'm going to make you a great people. Here's a, 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 a kind of a blip in the radar. Um, Abram and his wife were almost 100 years old, and they didn't have any kids. They say, God, if you're going to make us a nation, you should start now. <laughs> Like any, any time now, my wife's 90 years old. I'm, not, I'm just saying, I've read the textbooks, okay? This doesn't usually happen like that, okay? So they prayed, they prayed for 15 years, they prayed, and, and finally they got a son, right? They got a son named Isaac. And here's the deal, here's, here's what they realized. Hey, now that we've got a son, the promise can be accomplished, right? 
Even, even without God, right? If I want to have a great nation, as long as I have a son, I can do it because my son can have as many babies as he possibly can. Those babies can grow up and have as many babies as they possibly can. And you know how this thing works. Eventually, there will be a great group of people. Eventually, there will be a nation. Eventually, God's promises can be realized now that I have a son. Imagine the hope that Abram would have had in his son. Imagine the faith that he would have had when he looked at his boy in the eyes. But imagine the day when God looks over to Abraham in Genesis chapter 22 and says, Abraham, you know that hope that I gave you? I want you to sacrifice your only son. I want you to kill him because I told you to. And here's how the story unfolds. Abraham and his son Isaac and two servants gather all of the wood together. Scripture says Abram has a knife in one hand and the fire in his other hand, and he tells his son and his servants, we're going to make a sacrifice to God. They walk to the bottom of this hill. Abram Ham looks at his two servants and says, you guys stay here. Me and Isaac are going to go up and make a sacrifice. Scripture says Abram loaded the wood on his son's back. He said, you carry the wood. And Abraham had the knife in one hand and the fire in the other. And Isaac had a great question halfway up the mountain. He was like, hey, Dad. Abraham's like, yeah, what's up, son? Hey, uh, we got the wood. I see you got the knife in the fire, but uh, what, where's the sacrifice at? Where's the lamb? Where's the goat? What, what are we going to kill and burn on this offering as an, as an offering to God to please him? Because that's what he told us to do. And Abraham just looked at his son and said, hey, man, just trust. Just believe that God will provide. Just believe, just have faith that God knows what he's doing. Abraham stared his future down in the face. His only hope. He stared his future down in the faith and said, I'm willing to sacrifice my future for my faith in God. I'm willing to sacrifice what I've got my hope and faith in here on earth in order to have my faith and hope in God. See, with Isaac, God was trying to tell Abraham that your faith needs to be in the promise maker and not just in the promise. It doesn't need to be just in the provisions that God gives, but in the one that provided for it. Here's what happened. Really interesting story. You ought to read it in Genesis chapter 22. They get to the top of the mountain. Abraham ties his son Isaac to the altar. Scripture says Abraham had the knife in the air over his son Isaac's body. And at this time, Isaac's like, so what about that lamb, right? <laughs> oh, this is awkward. What is getting ready to happen here? And Scripture says a loud voice, maybe even when Abraham's hand was going down to sacrifice his future, his only hope. A voice from heaven said, Abraham, stop. I've tested your faith and you've passed. And they looked over in the bushes and there was a, a ram who was caught up in the thorns by his horns. And God said there, I've provided for you what you need to sacrifice. I, I gave it to you. Abraham said, I'd rather trust in the promise maker than in the promise that he's given me. I'd rather put my trust in God than put it in my son. It's easy to have trust in God when you have God and, isn't it? It's easy to trust in the future when you've got God and a son because you can basically do it with your son by yourself. It's easy to trust in God when you've got God and a full bank account. It's easy to trust in God when you've got God and a full-time job. It's easy to trust in God when you've got God and everything else that you've ever wanted because even if somehow God were to move away, you could still make it. You could still do it. 
Hey, God, I can make this nation on my own. I got a son. That's all I need. I know how to take it from here. But Abraham said, you know what, God? My faith is in you, not in my son. My faith is in you, not in any promises that you've been making me. And Scripture even says this is how much faith Abraham had. Scripture says that Abraham was convinced that he was going to kill his son on the altar and then God was going to raise him back to life. He said, that's how much I trust in you, God. I will, I will kill it all because I know you'll still provide. Because I know you still have a plan. My faith is in you, not my son. My faith is in you, not in the, the promise. Here's a question that all of us, if, if you're going to live a life of faith, if you're going to be a man or a woman of faith, you will be confronted with this question eventually. Are you willing to give up what matters the most to you to pursue what matters the most to God? If you're going to live a life of faith, eventually you will have to answer that question. Will you give up what matters the most to you in order to pursue what matters the most to God. What mattered the most to Abram was his son Isaac. And he looked at God and said, yeah, but my faith in you trumps anything you've ever given me. My faith in the promise maker is bigger than any of the promises and the provisions that he's given in the past. Maybe some of the future that we have to sacrifice today is to understand that our faith lies not in our possessions, not in the gifts that God has given us, but actually in the giver of the gifts. It's not in the creation that we have, but in the creator that made it. Abraham was willing to give up what mattered to him the most in order to pursue what mattered to God the most. Two stories, man. Both of these stories are great examples of how God calls us to things and places without showing us the end yet. Neither one of these guys knew how the end was going to play out. They just said, I'll just take a step. Abram left his past not knowing what the promised land would look like or when he would get there, but he eventually left, sacrificed his past, his present, and his future. And guys, you're going to be given an opportunity to show your faith. You're going to be given an opportunity where God will test your faith just like he tested Abraham with Isaac. And we've got an opportunity here to, to say, God, I'm going to be a man or a woman of faith, and I'm going to keep focused on you instead of what you've given me. And I'm willing to give up these things in order to pursue you. God, if it's your plan, I'd be willing to sacrifice whatever it is, past, present, or future, because my faith's in you and not any of these things. I'd be willing to overcome adversities. I'd be willing to work through some of these things that matter the most to me. If this is what you've called me to do, that's what a life of faith looks like. Abraham offered that up, got his name in the Hall of Fame because he was willing to pursue what mattered to God and give up what mattered the most to him. See, a life of faith will make you an overcomer. A life of faith will help you to tackle adversity when it comes to you. It doesn't make you immune from adversity or problems, but it helps you to understand that with God, you can take your setbacks and he can turn them into setups to do something incredible in your life to accomplish something of great faith. That's my prayer for you. Everybody do me a favor, man. Just a, just a, a time to focus, man. Could you just bow your heads right quick? Uh, Zach and the band are, are going to come up. And, and I want to I pose, pose a question to you. I want to make a connection with a story that I just told you and share with you what, what I know is the greatest news of all time. In, in Genesis Chapter 22, we read a story of a father 
that was walking with his son. And the story is that Abraham was going to sacrifice his son Isaac. Sound familiar? Sound familiar maybe to something that God has done for you? Does it sound familiar that a father would be willing to give up his son, his only son, as a sacrifice for others? What about when Abraham began to stack the wood on Isaac's back? The very thing that was going to take his life, he was holding on his back. Sound familiar? Jesus had something on his back made of wood. It was the cross on which took his life. Abraham and Isaac ascended up to the top of a hill. Said this is where the sacrifice will be made. What a long journey up that hill it would have been. When Jesus had the wood on his back, did you know he climbed a hill called Golgotha? He walked to the very place where he would give his life for you and for me to make the ultimate sacrifice. See, the creator of the world was willing to give up what meant the most to him, his only begotten son, to provide a gift of salvation to you and to me. And much, much like Isaac in this story, we should have paid the debt. We should have been sacrificed. It should have cost us everything we had, but God provided a sacrifice. God provided someone else to take our sin, to take our burden, and his name was Jesus. Did you know that God loves you so much he was willing to give up his only son? Wow. Scripture says that through the grace, by the grace of God, this, this incredible gift of salvation, through faith, we can have eternal life. Just believe in Jesus and your life can be changed. Just believe that he hung on that cross for me and you. Just believe that those sins are forgiven. Just believe that when that father made that son walk up the hill with the wood strapped to his back and a life was taken, that that sealed the deal for my salvation and yours. It's a game changer for you today. And that gift of grace through your faith in him, in the Lord Jesus Christ, can change your life, can move you from death to life, can make you a new creation in Jesus this morning. Surprise, this sermon's about Jesus and how he can change your life today. I hope that you'll say yes to Jesus this morning, whether that's the first yes by giving your life to him, by saying, God, I, I believe. I believe this is who you are. I believe this is what you've done for me. Man, just take that connection card that you received on the way in, fill that out, mark on the box, I made a decision for Christ. We want to get in touch with you this week and celebrate with you. Help explain what this really means and what, what a life change through Jesus produces. But maybe you're here today and God's called you to something more. God's called you to the next thing. God's called you to take a huge step of faith, to place your faith in him for your future. Maybe you got to sacrifice the past this morning. Maybe you're in a tent right now and your present is wearing down on you. 
but you got to show faith in God. Maybe it's the future. Maybe it's the uncertainty. Maybe your faith is in something else other than him and you're struggling. And let me offer you the promise of faith that there are things yet to be seen, that placing your faith in Jesus results in this life change that we're talking about, that he's got a great plan of significance and purpose for your life that you can embrace this morning just by saying yes to Jesus.